Hello and welcome to the Aid Station. I'm Chris Robb and today massively excited to journey to one of the most beautiful places in the world from the photos I've seen. We're going to Villa La Angostura in Patagonia in Argentina and I'm so excited to meet Alex Tersoglio. You've got an incredible story and, and I can't wait for the viewers to hear it. Why don't we start with some of your background, please, Alex? Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for having me here, Chris. Well, I was born in the United States, born in Indiana, raised in Washington, D.C., until my father in Argentine started to work for the World Bank. So I had the chance to travel in different countries in Latin America, an incredible experience living one year, one place, two years, another, three years, another, getting to know the culture of Latin America, learning how to speak in Spanish. They used to teach, take me every Saturday to, to a Argentine school to learn Spanish. I, got to, I had to learn Spanish to live in those cultures and those countries, but an incredible experience. Once we grew up with my, my, I got a brother who went to the army in the States, another one who decided to stay in Buenos Aires. And I decided to study in Buenos Aires. It was cheaper and it was very interesting. And I was studying international relations. And my idea was to work for a company with branches in Latin America. And the only way to understand Latin America is living there. So I decided to, to study there. I graduated, but immediately the chance of opening a travel agency dedicated to adventure travel came up. And I loved to travel and I loved to do sports. So it was a perfect combination and being my own boss and having the excuse of take the tourists around. So, I mean, it was great to get to know the country. So there started uh, many years of having a lot of fun, taking people to paraglide in the Andes, rafting, horseback riding, trekking. And obviously I had to go with them. So every single weekend I had something to go. Even I had the opportunity of learning how to fly a plane because uh, my, my flight instructor wanted to do um, the first civil flight to the Antarctica. And my mother is, her last name is Marambio. And there's a, the only, the most important base in, our, in Antarctica is Marambio base and it's Argentine and super important. So my flight instructor said, hey, Alex, look at this. If you're American, we'll need to, um, to do a stop in the middle and the Malvinas or Falklands, let's say, whichever side you see it, could be a great stop to be there. But if the pallet is American, they'll let us uh, land there. And from the Malvinas, we can cross to the Antarctica. And you being a descendant of Marambio would be arriving to the base of Marambio, which was the first civil flight to the Antarctica. It was fantastic. Wow. So I even took courses to fly. Unfortunately, later in rafting, I, I, I injured one of my foot and I, nobody, it was already a rule that we had scheduled with my instructor. If anybody got hurt, we couldn't go to the Antarctica already being hurt. So I had to just step down from that project, which was fantastic. He finally made it. And well, life continued having a lot of fun in Buenos Aires until I met my husband, Argentine, uh, and I had a baby. And my idea was not to raise children in a big city like Buenos Aires. So we had two alternatives. Or a small town in the States, I had already checked around Telluride, Colorado, beautiful place, beautiful, or a little place in Patagonia. And I thought that the most difficult option was Argentina, always Latin America. So I said, okay, look, we're still young. We're still with energy. Let's try the difficult place first. And when I arrived to this place, 3,000 habitants, 
so many things to do, so virgin. And something that I always love of Argentina, it's such a huge country that you can always be alone in many places. United States is also mm -hmm. is a big country and it's beautiful, but there are a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult mm -hmm. just to be able to be on a trail for days and not to be that, not to meet anybody. Here in Patagonia, it still occurs. I'll I'll say more quiet so no people will come, but <laughs> I just love to be able to go a walk in the forest and not see anybody, any soul for days. That's yeah. something that for yeah. me is extremely, extremely valuable. So, well, we came over here, my first Labrador, I started to raise dogs. I love dogs, I'm a dog lover. And here I stayed and I never left. So half of my life, I got to consider already Argentine. I'm an Argentine by blood, but I'm, I'm Villa Angosturense, like we say the people from Villa Angostura, because I just stayed here and I never moved away from here. And so here came another uh, another part of my life. What to do? What to do in a small company? I mean, I, I wanted to work in a in an international company or at least in a consulate. There wasn't anything here. I mean, so um, they they knew an American lady had arrived and the only doctor in town, there was just one doctor for all the family. She wanted to do a master's in the States. So I said, Alex, please teach me. Well, she was the only doctor. Of course I was going to teach her. She, I did, my life depended upon her. <laughs> so of course, yeah, come on here, take the courses. And, and that, I never expected to be a teacher, but that gave me a new agenda in my life and a new style of work. Here we worked a lot in the high seasons, which is the best season of all. Summer, beautiful to go out and kayak, trekking, running. And there I was attending tourists, one tourist after other, exhausted at the end of the day, didn't have time for myself. And I said, wait a second, this is not, this is not really working out. But when I was an English teacher, I worked from March to November. And I said, now, yes. And I got a whole summer for me free and for my kids. Right. And there I was. And I could do I could do my musical plays. I did my musical plays in the forest. I had fun. And being a teacher is some of the most wonderful jobs that one can have because you always learn from your students. You The feedback from them, the energy. And, and, and it's fantastic. I think that nobody ever gets tired of them because if you really get to see those children, their their innocence, their values that come without being untouchable and you learned a lot from them. So here I am, I'm still an English teacher and I love my job. I love the things that I can do with them. Now I'm working a lot about the climate change and the trash and contamination and um, kept on always raising dogs, always uh, breeding dogs. And, and with the dogs, this passion with the dogs, I started to learn what you could do with the dogs. And I know that I've always been like, I have a volunteer heart. I Sometimes I get tired of it, but I know that I just can't help it. Once I finish a volunteer job, here comes another one, another one. So ready, I, I better admit it and live with it for the rest of my life and have joy with it. And um, after, after forming the first group of blind runners in Argentina, I got to know my dog. I rescued her. It was a bloodhound. And, um, and when I got a bloodhound, I said, for what are the bloodhounds for? What what do they do besides having drill and, and <laughs> barking around? And when I really learned about them, their magnificent talent for, for trailing, I said, well, probably we can do something good with it. So I joined the search and rescue team from Mijangostura 
there hasn't never there had been dogs in um, service dogs in this small town, not for the fireman, not for the search and rescue dog. So I trained her and it came out an incredible team, canine team with rescue, my dog. And we worked as volunteers seven years for the national park, for the police, for the um, for any uh, organization that needed us in that moment. And that gave me a new world to get to know. And I just loved it. That adrenaline, it joined everything. It joined nature. It joined my dog loving thing, having a backpack and being at two o'clock in the morning and we got an emergency call. And my dog knows that when I had my cap and, and my oh, backpack and I said, where are we going? Where are we going? And there I felt this adrenaline, which was incredible, exhausting, but a super incredible adrenaline. And I loved it. So when unfortunately rescue passed away, I was like, and now what? From where do I get my adrenaline? I already had adrenaline by the races, but it's not the same thing. When you're running against the clock and knowing that you're going to save somebody's life, nothing is compared to that. Wow. So I said, and now, and now what? But I already had had some problems with police and many people who don't know really know how how a dog works, and and that had created a little bit of friction with uh, with the police and with my main with my group which was exhausting and very stressful, but I kept on wanting to do a form, a canine team. So the conservation world started to open and what you can do with the dogs. And we had already seen with the wild, wild wildfires in Australia, what the dogs did to track the koalas. And I've always been a, a lover of the, of the biodiversity. And I said, hey, wait a second, now this is connected to, now I can protect my nature, my town by from another point of view. I started to learn about it. I got in contact with an incredible biologist, Karen De Matteo from the States. She's a, bio, she's a PhD in biology. She's the leader of a conservation project here in Argentina, uh, Zorro Pitoco in Misiones in the north of Argentina, Iguazú National Park, an incredible person. So I started to email her and I said, Karen, look, here I am. I got a dog, I wanna do what you do. and. What dog did I choose? I could have chosen a Malinois, a Border Collar, those that are in the top 10 of intelligence. No, I got a Basset Hound, something <laughs> short, <laughs> something that everybody associates like the couch potato dog, you know? Yeah. And I, always getting something complicated, never, nothing easy, because if I would have grabbed a Border Collie, ready, I got it. No, a Basset Hound. But here we are pushing the limits. <laughs> Another challenge. And and we did it. And with the with the help of Karen online, everything from the States and, and Darwin. Darwin is my dog. I couldn't I already wanted a dog called Darwin, but well, now with conservation, everything you know how the energy flows. Yeah. And all and all the satellites are aligned to there together. And um and I was able with the with the help of my daughter Genya, who has been my co-keeper in many races and many many yeah. races for many years they're telling now me you travel all over the place with her and you've now got a camper van and she's she's part of the team exactly exactly yeah. she was my she she was my student training for the races later she came my co-keeper later she, she's my guide because when we have a tough race Kenya, the hand and she just pulls me in and it's like the turbo engine turns on you know and boom there i go wow. everybody cheers king and nobody knows something that is flying behind well that's me the mother <laughs> um, you just had the the k42 this last weekend which is yeah tell us a little bit about that because 
it's wonderful. You know, races are starting to come back in, in, in many parts of the world. And you said you had three and a half thousand people. You were plogging at the back, cleaning up after the runners. But tell us a bit about the situation there and how things have evolved and, 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 and what's, what's it been like during COVID? Well, COVID was something very strange for this little town because this little town, the world, the word bubble always existed for us far beyond the COVID yeah. because for us, we lived in a bubble. Things that occurred in the big cities like Buenos Aires didn't affect us. Mm -hmm. If there were crime over there, we didn't even know what it was. If the president resigned, we didn't even care because we depended upon the tourism season. So huh. what the hell? I mean, it doesn't matter. Nothing, anything that occurs in Buenos Aires doesn't affect us. So the word bubble already existed for us. But when COVID started, that was the thing. We had already survived a volcanic eruption. And we had already been isolated. And we had already had had a landslide. And we, by the roads, we had already been isolated. But this type of isolation was totally different. Mm -hmm. And we thought that we wouldn't be affected by the COVID until one person entered in town. Wow. And th those are the good things and bad things of being a small town. Usually, small communities are supposed to be more stuck together and helpful. But when you're in a small community where everybody meets in the supermarket, everybody goes to the same bank, everybody goes to the restaurant, a pandemic spreads like that fast. Wow. So in one minute, we were all contagious by COVID. And we really, really had a very, very bad experience. A lot of neighbors, a lot of friends passed away. Um, and that was heartbreaking. Wow. That was heartbreaking. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was really tough, really tough. And especially, sorry, sorry, Chris, that I get emotion, but very, those beautiful people passed away. And when you live so far away from the centers, we didn't have an intensive care unit. So um, we didn't have planes that would take the people to Buenos Aires. So once they got really bad, you knew that they weren't going to pass away because we didn't have anything to solve it. We didn't have experienced doctors. We didn't have all the technology that really helped um delicate patients to pass through it so the ones who had money and the one who had resources could go to an osiris or the ones who were luck and who, right in that moment um there was a plane or there was a space left in Buenos Aires. so it really affected us and i think that every single member of this town had had somebody a relative or a close friend that passed away wow that's so tough and, 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 and I'm so sorry to hear that. And, you know, when it's your neighbors and, and you feel so, so helpless in that situation, how, how, how has it evolved now? So with the race happening, um, think things have, have obviously settled down and um, the, 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 the town's back to normal. The town is back to normal, yes or no? Because now we're starting to hear about the Delta variation, mm. too. So it mm. starts to scare us. But we live upon tourism so the doors have to be have to open yeah. and they're expecting to open the customs to with chile the cross with chile yeah. and um and there and and we we need events some people like it some people's don't though some people's hate because all the streets are every, there's chaos a lot of people are coming but well and, and we need to breathe a little bit because with the with the pandemic as uh, the argentine people couldn't fly away they used the country as tourism. Mm. And this town wasn't accustomed to receive so many tourists all along the year. Yeah. And we've had and had a break. It's been two years that we've 
all the time tourism, tourism, and now with the events. But well, they are things. There are very positive events, and um, so it, it was. It was a big party. It was a big thing. Yeah, and those three and a half thousand people from mostly from Latin America, or you've got international people coming in there already. Well, still the board, still the flights are not all opened so there's still a lot of regulations so i think that not many people from from other countries came because you know it's 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 a heck of a problem to re reach to buenos aires and international airports and what shots do you have what vaccine works so it's been all uh, domestic domestic runners let's say yeah well that, that that that's amazing that you know you've you've got that foundation back now and hopefully things will will continue to 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 grow and uh, you know the in such a beautiful place trail running and you know and and for the benefit of the viewers we literally met last week when i was hosting the world athletics trail running uh webinar and um, trail and mountain running webinar and you were doing an incredible job as an interpreter and and you know that goes back to your your wonderful story of teaching teaching the doctor in the town to speak english and then it's <laughs> spreading all the way through the town and look at this incredible career that it's given you it's uh, it's just amazing to to have someone who's, who's who lo loves what they're doing and can, as you say, work through the seasons. Tell us a little bit, because time runs fast on these, about your 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 family and your daughters. I mean, what what you, we touched on it earlier, but what a wonderful story, Kapu in Kenya. Uh, you, you said you had uh, one of the old Citroens. That's the the old Citroen that pumps up before it goes away. I, I I we used to have one of those in Zimbabwe where I grew up, and they always bring back fond memories where people would stand around and watch the car kind of lift up before it went away. So you've traveled around not only the immediate re region, but kind of far and wide in Argentina and in, in, in the car in the camper van. Is that right? Yes, and especially in my Citroen, uh, Citroen 3CV, I, we've, we've used that one furthermore because it's I haven't had already since I think that 10 years ago. And it, it's all an adventure, you know. When you travel in a classic car, very old, you never know what can things what, what things can happen. So that's adrenaline. That's really fun, uh, and and even more fun when you don't know understand anything of mechanics. So my daughter, my daughter's my co-pilot, and I. So we just go with a tool of a, a, a box of tools, some wire. They always say that you can arrange a Citroen with wire. Yep. Well, we just take it and let's see what happens. But there, <laughs> there's always kind people on the road, and. And what I always say about the DC Troy's 3CV, they never generate jealousy on the people. They generate gratitude and cheerfulness. So everybody, when they see us pass through Detroit, they say, hey, what can we help you? Not like you're driving with a Ferrari, no Audi that they're just look like, ah, where did you get that? No, this one is, hey, great guys that you made it up to here. So there's always a, a friend on the other side uh, expecting to see that if we arrive or not. And, and it's a fun, it's so much fun. Really wow. nice. We, we could talk for hours, but time always flies. And I always like to end with an inspiring story. You are an incredibly inspiring woman. You, you're a leader in your community. Uh, you've got so many great stories to tell, but have you got one little story that you'd like to leave us with that's going to inspire the listeners, please? Ay, so many, so many, but I can tell you, um, Chris, um, well, I survived cancer. And the K42 was something that that helped me um, having because under the volcanic eruption, they diagnosed to me cancer and we I couldn't leave the town because um, it was prohibited to circle it with the car because of the volcanic eruption. Mm -hmm. So I was 
you know, the, st- the tense and the stress of not knowing what's going to happen. And I couldn't go and visit my doctor. And I didn't know if every month that I delayed, it was the cancer was going to get worse. So he said, okay, don't worry, Alex. Uh, once you can come over here to Ariloche, we'll handle the situation. And I said, okay, what do I do meanwhile? Until Diego Sorba, who you met, he decided to choose Villangostura to do the race. And I said, right, let's start a train. So uh, I don't have anything to do besides shoveling the sand. Let's go out and train. And that helped me out to, to, to not to think about the cancer, not to think about that horrible diagnosis, that, that paper that tells you you got this, mm-hmm. and to think about a race and train and have fun and, and liberate endorphins and take a shower and say, ready, I'm tired of this, ready, that, what a great day, let's look forward for tomorrow. And, and that race is going to be historical for me. Um, but I would say, like, always get from the simple thing to motivate. Always, always look for something even simple. For me, it was something very simple, but so big at the same time. Mm. Grab yourself. If you're in a moment, and this pandemic, I think, created a lot of depression in many people and saying, and what now? Don't think about that. Just even grab that little, little grain, that little seed that can help you to, to bloom and to grow and grab it and put all your passion in it. And later that storm will pass and you'll realize that what grew out of that was bigger than what you thought. Wow, what, 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 a, what a wonderful story. And, and it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The power of the mind and the power of the body if you give it the opportunity. Alex, we, we, could, we could talk for, for ages and ages and I hope one day that uh, I can visit you in, in your beautiful part of the world, um, absolutely on my bucket list and, uh, and, and we can sit and talk for hours and hear more of your stories. But thank you so much for the time being, for making the time. It's been wonderful. Uh, really enjoyed it and, and, and look forward to catching up in person. Thanks to you, Chris. You got a friend down here, so I'll wait for you, okay? We got a nice run in the mountains. Thank you. That's Thank a you deal. So much. Thank you so much. Take care.